This is a podcast from the Business Times. Welcome to Podcasts by the Business Times. In this episode, what investment strategies should high net worth individuals employ in a recessionary environment? And what sectors should they look into? This episode is brought to you by UOB Private Bank. Welcome to Podcast by the Business Times. I'm your host, correspondent Howie Lim. After a year dominated by inflation, expect recession to be the top theme of 2023. From an investment point of view, the attention will shift from inflation and what that means for interest rates to the impact on the real economy of tighter financial conditions. But investment opportunities abound, especially for the well-heeled. For more insights, we speak to Dr. Niu Tenghui, Chief Investment Officer, Head of Products and Solutions, UOB Private Bank. Dr. Niu, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Hello, everyone. So let's start by talking about how sizable portfolios require the use of sophisticated investment strategies. And what are some of those key strategies high net worth individuals should employ in 2023? 2023 is an interesting year because uh, on one hand, high net worth individuals, they have at their disposal a broad array of investment options. But at the same time, it is also a year where back to basics actually work. Even if you put money in the bank, actually you are paid. And for the longest time, interest rates were kept at zero or at very low levels. And if you are a conservative investor, you do not get adequately compensated. So I think part of the strategies goes back to basic concepts. The two most important developments in financial markets is first the inflation problem. Most prominently, I would say that the U.S. has a more serious inflation problem because inflation comes from a very tight labor market. So the question is whether the effect of an aggressive Federal Reserve trying to rein in monetary policy, trying to raise interest rates to cut back on quantitative easing, whether that eventually is going to end up with a severe recession. So back to basics means that on one hand, investors should be thinking about how should I be allocating assets so that my portfolio will be resilient against a recession. The simple solutions will be to buy high-quality bonds because eventually if we do get a recession, the Fed is going to pause at some point, it's going to cut interest rates, and high-quality bonds will provide not just the income but also capital gains. On the other hand, not all economies have the same cycle as the U.S. I mean, if you look at China... Last couple of weeks, there's been a slew of changes, most prominently the pivot away from COVID-0. And that will usher in a recovery, and we believe that Chinese assets will continue to do well. So we are recommending high net worth individuals to invest in regions with divergent economic cycles. That is the other way to think about allocating assets. Of course, one of the most important things we learned in 2022 is that sometimes there are things that we cannot anticipate. It pays to be humble about what we can actually forecast. And as part of that, that discipline is to maintain a well-diversified portfolios. So we also recommend investors to invest across countries, across sectors, 
across asset classes to make sure that portfolios are diversified. And under any circumstances or any scenarios, investors' uh, portfolio will not be adversely affected. And how are volatility and current market conditions dictating these strategies? I mean, is there room to be flexible should market conditions, well, change again? Definitely, investment strategies has to be informed by changing conditions. One of the main developments investors should be monitoring is whether the Fed is able to successfully bring down inflation and to cool down the very tight labour market. And markets will continue to be volatile. So one of the main investment themes for this year is one of fading Fed risk because we see that the Fed has actually done a lot of heavy lifting and the economy is starting to slow down, but rising growth pains at the same time. So the key for investors to watch is whether inflation does indeed come down and whether or not the Fed will over-tighten and result in a severe recession. But as much as volatility is something which is often seen as a negative thing. Volatility can also be your friend. Some of our investors are able to make use of volatility to curate and to craft specific investment strategies and payoffs through the use of derivatives, which can be highly profitable as well. And I believe that volatility can also be a friend for the long-term investors because as markets take fright over short-term developments, long-term investors who are more value-driven, can take advantage of these conditions or assets being sold at distressed prices and accumulate for the long term. I think one very good example is uh, China. Last year, many international investors have effectively given up on the asset classes. Some commentators even said that China is no, no longer investable. But look, when things change, given the fact that Chinese assets were trading at such a distressed valuation. All it takes was a small amount of good news for the asset class to recover. Dr. Neil, would you say these strategies work for everyone or just investors with a high net worth? In fact, what I've just outlined to you can be accessible by anyone, irrespective of how large is your portfolio. I think these days, investment advice is largely being democratised. Investors have access to quality information, whether they have a couple thousand of dollars with a bank or they have hundreds of millions of dollars. I think the access to advice and information has improved over the years. But of course, there is a slight difference in terms of access to certain solutions in certain asset classes like private assets, hedge funds. Because of regulations, only accredited investors usually get access to these solutions. These asset classes, for the most part, the allocation within an investor's portfolio usually is not the dominant asset class. So for the average investors, a lot of these ideas about making portfolios resilient, getting adequate income through investing in high-quality bonds, I think these are solutions that most investors are able to access. It's boring, it's beautiful, right? And back to basics. It's something that has worked through the years. Still to come, what are the investing trends among high net worth individuals? And are they worth pursuing in 2023? And what is worth looking into this year and beyond? And now, back to podcasts by The Business Times 
Brought to you by UOB Private Bank. We're also seeing an interesting trend with the high net worth individuals that the crypto winter hasn't dampened demand for digital assets to be part of their portfolios. How can investors navigate this space, though? Dr. Niu Tenghui, Chief Investment Officer, Head of Products and Solutions, UOB Private Bank. Interest rates, after years of staying at very low levels, are starting to increase. Some of the earlier proponents of crypto assets basically go on the basis that there's a limited supply to some of these assets, and it is not subject to manipulation unlike fiat currencies. Hence, it's able to preserve value over time. Obviously, it is an asset class that doesn't earn the yield for the investors. So, when interest rates goes up, the assets come under pressure. The second set of developments is what I call the growing pains of the asset class. So you have the Terra Luna saga. The whole issue is stable coins. Are they truly, truly stable? And more recently, with the collapse of FTX, it exposes the fact that it is a new industry that regulation has yet to catch up. So that has resulted perhaps some abuses, and that has led to a loss of confidence. I have often struggled with this notion that investors should allocate a certain amount to the asset class just in case one day this becomes mainstream. Because I find that it is still an asset class that has yet to articulate, I would say, a true value proposition, a problem that they tries to solve, and investors are merely going in during the bull phase that you know because it was rising. And because of the fear of missing out, people are just chasing. And I think the biggest problem is that many investors do not really understand why they are investing in crypto assets. And I would advise that do understand before you invest in anything. Just like even if it is equities, fixed income, it's the same thing. So I think it remains to be seen whether it will eventually recover. Who are going to be the survivors of the industry and It's hard to predict at this point in time, but I would uh, advise some caution against you know just investing because it is an emerging asset class. Also, the number of family offices based in Singapore surged from 400 to 700 from the beginning of 2020 to the end of 2021. Will we continue to see family offices play a significant role in 2023 and beyond? You think? Oh, most definitely. I think family office is、uh, an area of development that Singapore has very successfully developed. Wealthy families come to Singapore for a variety of reasons. Set up family offices. The most obvious cited reason is the favorable tax treatment by the various provisions given by the government to attract family office to this part of the world. More importantly, Singapore has also become a center for family office. We have built up a pretty strong ecosystem of service providers, investment professionals, and of course, banks and financial institutions who support these、uh, family offices. So, I believe this trend will continue to progress. More so because there's still a substantial amount of wealth creation in Asia. And investors are starting to think about setting up a proper structure, setting up a more institutional framework in managing their assets. So I believe the trend will continue from here. Okay, here's the billion-dollar question. You know, thanks to inflation, we have to go from a million to a billion. What are some sectors investors should be looking into in 2023 and beyond, and why? 
We would advise clients to have a combination of defensive assets, defensive sectors that would include healthcare, consumer staples. We do see that the odds of a recession by the end of this year in the U.S. is relatively high. So investors want to be invested in sectors that will hold up well into a slowdown. On the other hand, as a result of rising interest rates, we notice that a large part of the growth sector, many of them in the technology space, in renewable energy, they were massively derated last year because of rising interest rates. Many of these companies, they have profits profile that are what we call long duration profit companies. So their growth companies means they will turn in a profit only much later on. So these companies are very sensitive to rising interest rates. So as we believe that the U.S. economy, it's going to slow down towards the second half of this year and probably enter a recession. And the Fed is going to pause at some point and cut interest rates in 2024. I think some of the headwinds in these sectors will start to dissipate. And we believe that many of these companies and sectors remain promising. So we think that long-term investors who are prepared to sit out will be able to pick up very good bargains in this environment. So on one hand, defensive assets, defensive sectors, and on the other hand, growth sectors that has been derated ahead of time because of rising interest rates. We have sounded the caution on growth in the last two years. And for the first time, we think that there are opportunities in the growth sector for the reasons I just mentioned. I think the value trade has proven through the decades, but there were also periods where the value trade actually didn't perform. The decade right after the global financial crisis in 2009 is a very good example. It is not that we are negative on the value style, but simply because we think that the growth sectors have been so severely punished by rising rates. And the Fed eventually pauses. Some of these valuation headwinds is probably going to fail. And importantly, as you go into a slowing environment, when earnings become scarce, some of these growth companies will start to trade at a premium because when earnings are scarce, earnings will be paid a premium by the market. So we think that actually these growth companies could potentially even do well in a slowing environment. Thanks for taking the time and for your insights, Dr. Neil. Thank you. Dr. Neil Tenghui, Chief Investment Officer, Head of Products and Solutions, UOB Private Bank. And that's a wrap for this podcast by The Business Times. I'm correspondent Howie Lim. Till next time. This episode of Podcasts by The Business Times was brought to you by UOB Private Bank. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast or via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3 you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.